welcome. My name is Amelia, otherwise known as DJ EJ, and this is Club Crime, a true crime broadcast recording live here at KTCU. How is everyone? I'm so happy to be back. I say this as always, but this is honestly always the highlight of my week to be here. Um, I'm a little bit drained, so I apologize if I sound a little bit sick. Allergies are definitely hitting me real hard, especially coming from California to Texas. My, My body's not ready for these Texas allergens yet. But last week we had on my special guest, Alexa, and that was a super fun story. We talked about the Hillside Stranglers, and if you haven't listened to that episode yet, then please go check us out on Spotify and Apple Podcasts at Club Crime. And if you haven't followed us yet on Instagram or Twitter, it's at Club Crime Official. But I'd now like to introduce you to my special guest for tonight. His name is Jackson. He's my best friend. Jackson, would you like to introduce yourself? Hey, what's up, y'all? I'm Jackson Phillips. Uh, I'm from North Carolina. I'm an acting major here at TCU in my sophomore year. Um, what else? I've been dancing for 13 years. I enjoy Ooh. cooking, hiking. hiking. That's it. That's awesome. <laughs> follow me on Insta at dancing underscore Jackson with no G. <laughs> yeah, go follow Jackson on Instagram. But why are you into club crime? How like what got you into club crime? Why are you here tonight? Um, because I'm a criminal. No. Oh. Um, I don't know. I always liked watching like forensic files, like mm-hmm. growing up as a kid. And that sounds like weird, but yeah. Well, yeah. that's that was me too. Like I watching, also like just love like horror. Mm. Yeah, like Who Done It. Me too. Mm-hmm. 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 But how are you? I'm doing good. Uh, it's a Monday, but oh, yeah, you know, I'm so happy you're here. I'm I mean, so happy to be. here. I love all my guests, but to have my best friend on the podcast, ugh. Mwah. Mwah. It makes me so happy. But are you ready for me to tell you your guest duties? Yes. All right. So I'm going to tell you a true crime story. It is your job to react, ask questions, add in your own personal anecdotes, and just add to the story in any way that you want. Does that make sense? Of course. Yeah? yeah. Are you ready? Let's do okay. it. So... When you asked to be on the podcast, you gave me one special request. Can you tell the listeners what your, the special request for your story was? I wanted to involve some spooky spirits. Some ghosts, Some perhaps. ghosts. Um, so I've delivered on that for you today. Do you want to take just a wild stab in the dark of what your story might be today? Because I'll tell you this. It's ghosts, but also true crime. Okay. Um... It's not even ghosts, demons. 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 Does it happen out west somewhere? Like in the middle of like nowhere west, no. western? No. Oh, okay. Then I'm, then I'm interested. Then you don't know. Then I don't know. You don't know. All right. Well, today's story is the trial of Arnie Cheyenne Johnson, better known as the devil made me do it case. Is this from like The Conjuring 3? Yeah. But Period. I'm going to tell you the actual story. <laughs> okay. Sources for tonight's story include Esquire Magazine, Oxygen, University of Virginia, The New York Times, and we all love her, Wikipedia. Our professor's favorite source. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Everyone's favorite. Okay, so let's get into the background leading up to the case. Okay. In 1980, in Brookfield, Connecticut... 
11-year-old David Glatzel was helping his family clean up their rental home when he was allegedly pushed by an old man that spontaneously appeared in front of him. Mm-hmm. Though this experience terrified David, his family believed that he had made up this occurrence in order to get out of cleaning. Which, me too. Oh, totally. <laughs> like, if, I'm sorry. If I was 11 and I was brought to, like, my weekend had to be spent cleaning up a rental home, I would have been like, I got pushed. Um, oh, stub toe, I'm out for the week. Mm-hmm. Don't call me. Oh, I stubbed my toe. I can't hold, carry boxes I can't, anymore. I can't walk. I can't walk. Sorry. Take me to the hospital. <laughs> David, however, claimed that the old man he saw had threatened to hurt the Glatzels if they moved into their rental home. Ooh. I Which I always think that's weird. I'm always like... I get it. If you're a ghost, you don't understand that you're dead. So obviously you're going to be upset if like people are like moving into your home. But I would just like if I were a ghost, I'd I'd honestly kind of like the roommates. I feel like I'd get bored if there was like no one there. I wish the ghost in my apartment told me not to move in before I did. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, all th- that ghost is a fun time. The ghost is lacking on their threats to you yeah. because you are just... I want, I want a message scribed out in blood mm-hmm. on my bathroom mirror every morning. Saying leave? Saying leave. And then maybe you would have leave sooner? With like a heart and like a little And maybe you mark. would never have gotten bed bugs. Maybe I would never have gotten bed bugs. Or maybe the ghost wanted you to get bed bugs and they just didn't warn you about it. It was the ghost. They were plotting with my landlord. Yeah. Maybe the ghost is your landlord. Ooh, Spooky. Spooky. This wasn't the last time David saw the old man, and some of David's visions of the man would turn dark as the man would turn into a demon and begin to speak Latin. We all love a dead language. (laughs) No one other than David ever saw the man, though the Glatzel family did begin to hear strange noises coming from the attic. Which, I don't know. That's just like his, like... There's no proof. So, I mean, I do believe in the paranormal. Oh, me too. But I'm also like, okay, a little kid just, a little kid could very easily make stuff move in the attic and then say, I saw a ghost. No, I used to like hear stuff. I mean, I did too. Like as a kid, like I used to hear a voice telling me every single morning at like 5 a.m. to come downstairs and eat breakfast. Mm. And I'd go downstairs and there'd be no one it there. It was me. I was under the It bed. was Amelia Gambucci, actually. We hadn't met yet, but it was me and I was lying under your bed. You flew the four-hour flight to mm-hmm. North Carolina? Every day. Every day. Mm-hmm. Dope. And just to make sure that you would eat breakfast. Oh, of course, because I always skip breakfast. Well, of course. I would skip my own <laughs> breakfast just so that you could enjoy a nice breakfast every day. When I would lay, I would lay under your bed and I'd say, Jackson, it's time for breakfast. <laughs> just like that. No, it would, like, get aggressive. Really? Like, I'd hear, like, yelling. I know. Jackson! Breakfast! Spoopy. Spooky. Okay. So, we know that no one ever saw this man. Mm -hmm. Funny things are happening in the attic, and David's behavior begins to get worse. He starts to experience night terrors. He would act erratic. And he even began to get unknown bruises and scratches all over his body. Which, me too. 
oh, being a dancer, I always wake up with like random bruises. I know. All over me. Or even like on the times where I'm not dancing, like I will just wake up and there just like will be a huge bruise just like on somewhere where I can't explain it. You just go, oh, hi. Oh, hey, how are you? Like one time, this happened a couple weeks ago. I had a bruise like right smack dab in the middle of my stomach. Mm -hmm. And I was just like, how did you get there? There's no possible way for you to have gotten there. No, this week I've like woken up with like random scratches like on like mm-hmm. the lower half of my leg. I don't know how they've gotten there, but they did. They're there. They're there. Hi. Maybe it's a Welcome. ghost. Welcome. Maybe it's the ghost. Ooh, spooky. Ooh. So while with David getting increasingly worse, the glass cells called upon the Catholic Church and had a priest bless the house. Happy Easter, everyone. When this didn't work, the Glatzels began to refuse to stay in the house, and David's visions got worse, and they started happening at any hour of the day when they originally just happened at night. With no other option, the Glatzels called upon self-proclaimed demonologists Ed and Lorraine Warren. Uh, Uh, let's, Let's talk about the Warrens. Patrick Wilson playing Ed Warren just made the movie 10 times better. It made the movie 10 times better. And also, like, looking up, like, real versions of, like, what Ed Warren looked like, I was like, this man needed an upgrade. Mm -hmm. Patrick Wilson (laughs) was your best choice. And then the guy playing, oh, who is it? The murderer in that movie, in the third one. Arnie Johnson. Arnie Johnson. The guy playing him? Yeah. Yeah. I will agree. We'll get into the the Conjuring movies later, but, um, but, yeah. Honestly, because the real life pictures of these people, I'm like, y'all are not, y'all don't live up to what your movie counterparts do. So let's talk about Ed and Lorraine Warren. For those listeners who might not know a lot about them, Ed and Lorraine Warren were professional paranormal investigators and members of the Roman Catholic Church. After being rejected from the priesthood, Ed Warren became a self-proclaimed demonologist. Just as one does. Of course. Ed married Lorraine in 1945, and she claimed to be a clairvoyant and, quote, light trance medium. Light trance? Light trance. So her trances weren't deep trances. It was light. Oh, period. Which I tried to look it up of what exactly that meant, and there were so many, like, mixed explanations. Mm -hmm. It was like you're in, like, a state of consciousness that is just barely not conscious. So it's not like astral projection. Or it's anything. not like astral projection, but it's still like you're in a trance. Okay. I guess that was the that was what I could gather. So just like daydreaming. No, because she's definitely like going into a trance. When I'm daydreaming, I might, I mean, I might not all the, be all the way there, but, like, you can get me out of that pretty fast. Okay. I think she was, like... She needed a couple slaps in the face. Yeah. It, it would took, take her a second. So, the Warrens first came into the public eye following their investigation of the Amityville Horror House. What, not whorehouse, horror house. I apologize. <laughs> that, I, need, I need to enunciate. Which led many to believe that their services were a hoax, which Amityville, of course, a guy was mur- murdered his wife and children. Another I thought you were going to do in. that story. You thought I was going to do Amityville? Yeah. That would be like, a good one. That was too basic. You'll have to have me on again. 
Mm. We'll do that one. Next season. Next season. That would be a good one, but Amityville, brief, quick explanation. A guy murdered his wife and children. He goes to prison. Another family moves into the house. They start claiming that all this paranormal stuff is happening, and basically tons of scientists and professors come and are basically like, this is a hoax. Y'all are... Everything that y'all are seeing... Y'all's catfishing us. Y'all's catfishing us. Everything they're seeing, everything you're hearing, these possessions are fake. And then the Warrens come and they're like, no, it's real. We investigated it. And everyone was like, okay, well, it's kind of been scientifically proven that it's not, but okay. But previously, they had done two other cases that would eventually become very famous. The Annabelle case... And the Perrin family case, which is the case that The Conjuring 1 is based around. Do you know that house is in North Carolina? Mm Mm-hmm. The outside exterior of that house? Mm Mm-hmm. But I don't think the actual house is in. The actual house house is in, like, like, Rhode Island or Pennsylvania or somewhere up north. But, yeah, I did know. They, like, filmed part of it in North Carolina. In Wilmington, North Carolina. I don't, I have no clue where that is, but I'm, I know where North Carolina is. It's on the beach. Oh, okay. Yeah. Following Amityville, the Warrens investigated the Enfield Poltergeist, which is what The Conjuring 2 is based off of, and then the Arnie Johnson case, which is what The Conjuring 3 is based off of. Ooh. I love The Conjuring movies. Before we keep going, honestly, they get a lot of hate, but I really like them. The first one I thought was kind of boring. I watched it and didn't like go <gasps> once. They don't scare, I mean, most horror movies don't scare me, but I would say, like, they weren't bad. I mean, the second and third ones were really good. Mm-hmm. I mean, the third one, like, also wasn't, like, too, too scary, but the guys were hot in it, so I'll <laughs> let it slide. I like the third one, too, because of the true crime in it. Mm-hmm. Um, but they're not bad. Yeah. There's definitely worse. I mean, same director that did Insidious. Yeah, and, those and I are love like Insidious. My favorite horror movies. And Patrick Wilson's in Insidious too. Oh yeah. Oh yeah, he is. <laughs> when the Warrens first visited the Glatzels, so now we're back to the Arnie Johnson case. Lorraine alleg- allegedly saw a dark black mist appear next to David, a sign of a demonic presence. So. Debbie Glatzel, who is David's sister, then told the Warrens that her and her mother had seen invisible hands choke David, which left red marks on his neck after. Which, how do you see invisible hands? That is, I mean, that's a good plot point. <laughs> I can understand the red marks and like seeing those after, but I'm like, you saw the invisible hands? How are you seeing these invisible hands? He's magic. He's magic. Maybe it was only him that could see It was him. like a cartoon. They saw like a dotted outline yeah. on the hands. He said, oh, of course. Because it's also like, I've learned this in many an acting class, especially with like stage combat. It's quite easy to fake choking. Yeah. I mean. But I guess if there, there were red marks. I don't know what 11-year-old is like grabbing and like trying to like choke himself out. Well, I don't think he choked himself, but it's also like, okay, you can pretend to choke your, like, be choking. Like, I'm talking, not talking, like, hands on the neck choking, mm-hmm. but you can pretend to choke. Oh, yeah. And then, but then there's, like, the red marks. So, I, I do believe in the paranormal, but this is one of those cases that I'm just so skeptical about. Mm-hmm. I'm so skeptical about, because... 
stuff just doesn't fully add up in this case. Yeah. You know what I mean? Something's fishy. Something's fishy. So David's behavior gets worse. He now starts growling, hissing, cursing, and quoting verses from the Bible or Paradise Lost by John Milton. I love Paradise Lost. You do? Yeah. I've never read it. We had to read it in um, like senior year of high school. Mm-hmm. I used to always get on my English teacher's nerves because I would always like read ahead. Really? But no, it's like a really interesting book. It's about like the devil and like his like origin story Whoa. beyond like what the Bible tells. Wait, that's cool. Maybe yeah. I need to read Paradise Lost now. It's, it's a pretty easy read too. Really? Like it's not like complicated or anything. Mm. But basically him, co- according to his family, he had never read Paradise Lost. So these quotes were spontaneous. They did go to church. So the Bible would have made sense. Once I feel so bad. I'm like nitpicking all of this, but it's like I'm. I let wanna, the kid live his fantasy. Let the kid live his fantasy. I mean, part of me believes it, and part of me doesn't. I mean, I don't know what eleven year old is like out there. Quote. So you're on, you're in on the like belief of like he's too young to like have made this up. I mean. Keep that in mind. We'll talk about that later. He because there th- we, we will talk about that. We will talk about that later. Either he's a very com- committed to the to the to role. The bit? Yeah, hissing, biting, growling, growling, cursing, cursing. <gasps> Not the cursing. I mean, so because of his behavior, one family member would have to stay up each night to walk watch over David as he began to have convulsions convulsions during the night after diagnosing him with quote multiple possessions by the warrens david was subjected to three quote lesser exorcisms with lorraine even claiming to have seen david levitate Where's he did the, the doula peep he did doula peep he's levitating he's levitating um i tried to look up a picture of that though and there's no picture so lorraine where's where's the proof I don't know. I felt like they videoed that in The Conjuring 3. Like, that was, like, a plot point was that they videoed the exorcism. Of his? Of his. Like, in the beginning well, of the Well, then maybe movie. I shouldn't search hard enough. I mean... I don't know. <laughs> I will be totally honest. I was finishing this research in my English class today. <laughs> <laughs> Period. Because <laughs> I was... I had so much homework last night, and I got to start writing this case. Because... I will say, I'm going to be so I'm going to be so transparent with all my listeners out there. These scripts don't get written until like the night before <laughs> I do club crime because I'm the biggest procrastinator. And I got like halfway through writing this and I was like, I'm done. I got to go to bed. I'm tired. And it was only like 8:30. <laughs> so I said, I got to go to bed. And then I <laughs> and then today in my English class, I was like, oh, I didn't finish anything. When I speed ran that last typing, I did that in 15 minutes. <laughs> Meanwhile, I'm over there. It's 9.45 p.m. And I'm just like, oh, yeah, I should probably put a shirt on and go over. <laughs> yeah. I mean, y'all have the easy work, my guests. Yeah. I'm sitting here like. I just sit here and draw pictures. Essays. Yeah. You do have your little pen and paper. <gasps> so also the lesser or exorcisms. That was another thing that was like so weird of like what an a lesser exorcism was which that was another thing i couldn't get a full explanation on mm-hmm. online miss google wasn't giving me the answers listen google is a little iffy sometimes 
That's very true. David also began to have supernatural precognitions, one even pertaining to Arnie Johnson, who was his sister Debbie's boyfriend, and he was the one, and the precognition pertained to the crime that he will commit in this case, which we haven't got into yet. We haven't even gotten to the crime yet. We're still just talking about the possession. I know. This kid's the star of the story. He's the star so far. That October, the Warrens contacted the police to warn them of how increasingly violent this possession and precognitions were becoming. They were like, hey, this kid's possessed. He said someone might die. Just letting you know. Oh, thank you. That is such a creative I drew Amelia a picture since she couldn't find one of the 11-year-old levitating. Thank you. There you go. That was really detailed, too. I think the stick drawings really just brought that to life. Put that in the case file. I will. I'll keep... I'll save that for later. I'll frame that. Oh, period. I'll I'll autograph it, too. Okay. That's up for auction now. Call in with your bids. Yeah, call in with your bids, club crime listeners. So, let's talk about Arnie Johnson who these precognitions pertain to. He was 19 when this mm. case, when this possession was happening and was present for most of David's possessions as he had been dating Debbie Glatzel for several years before. Wait, what was his name again? I want to see what the actual guy is. Arnie was. Johnson. He's okay. blonde. That's all I remember about him when I looked him up. Let me see. So. Oh, he... He's not bad looking. He's not bad looking. But he's nothing he's compared to the actor. Compared to Rory O'Connor? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. My little Irish man. So, Johnson thought of David as a little brother, mm-hmm. obviously having spent a lot of time around this family. Yeah. And he began to taunt the apparent demon inside of David's body, telling the demon to possess him and to leave David and his body alone. Dumb decision number one. Dumb decision number one. Don't taunt the demon. Nothing happened to Arnie or David for several days until suddenly Arnie was attacked violently by the demon, which took hold of his body and made him crash his car into a tree. (gasps) But he was fine. Love that. So though Johnson was unharmed from the car accident... He was a so he was unharmed, but he was able to also take control of over his own body again. And while he was not in control, the demon had shown him a vision, saying that the demon was in a well on the rental property. So he went to the well. What's up with demons and wells? So he was also advised by Lorraine Warren to not go to this well. Mm-hmm. She was like, don't go there. That's bad news. Does she live with them? She- I think they're like part-time, like maybe in a hotel, but they're there okay. to like investigate the case. So okay, she's there pretty constantly. And from what I know, like he didn't, it, like this wasn't like one thing happening after another. He like crashed his car, got control, walked back, told everyone who was like worried about him, I'm going to the well. And the rain was like, no, 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 don't do that. Not on my watch. Not on my watch. But he went to the well anyway. And according to Johnson, this was the last time he had been completely lucid around the demon. As So when he looked into the well, Johnson made eye contact with the demon and it immediately possessed him. And that was the last time he was lucid around it. 
So at first, all of Johnson's efforts seemingly did nothing, um, and David was getting worse. Debbie Glatzel and Johnson then decided that they could no longer take being around David, so they moved into an apartment together, and David also started getting better. Debbie was hired as a dog groomer by Alan Bono, who was new to the Brookfield, Connecticut area and owned a kennel. Johnson continued to work at the Wright Tree Service, which is kind of a little... He cut trees. I remember this part of the movie. You remember him up in the... Up in the tree. Up in the tree with his chainsaw. Dropping a chainsaw? Yeah. 11 feet in the air? he dropped it. Almost killed someone. Almost killed someone. Just because he saw somebody in a window. Which, that would... It's like, it's a person in a window. Big deal. Get over it. I see people in windows all the time. I'm paying you 11 bucks an hour to chop down my tree. (laughs) That's a little bit much for this time period. (laughs) I think it was probably like 50 cents. Probably a little bit more than that. It was probably like $3 an hour. I love a deal. I love a, I love a steal. <laughs> I love a good good tree cutting deal. I got a coupon for that. Oh, yeah. I have a lot of trees that need to be cut. Mm-hmm. Yeah? Yeah. And your ghost bed bug <laughs> And my ghost <laughs> No, there are no more bed bugs. Yeah, I know. There's just the ghost now. That was a whole ordeal. That was a whole ordeal. No one listening knows what we're talking about. I know. But we do. Oh, my goodness. Trying to manage that while also back in North Carolina for Christmas break and being on the phone with my landlord, like, get someone over there right now. In the way that, like, I had to come in my truck and, like, come pick up all your clothes. Come pick up all my clothes. (laughs) Oh, Oh. that was too much. So the couple's move Mm -hmm. also brought some new worries that Johnson may have been possessed. Debbie stated that Johnson began to fall into trances where he would growl and hallucinate, then come back into consciousness with no memory of what had just happened. Hmm. Sometimes I get worried I do that. You know, that you growl? But, you know, sometimes I'll like just be like staring off into space. And oh. there's like a good moment where I will just not know what happens for the next five minutes. I could be growling. There were times where I've been driving my car down the highway and, like, I get to my destination and not know how I got there. Me too. It's so bad. Like, I will just, like, completely disassociate when I'm driving. Yeah. And I'll be like, I can't do this. If I do this, I'm going to crash. Like, it won't even be like I'm, like, distracted by, like, my phone or anything. It's like... Exactly. It's like I'm... I'm I'm not distracted. I'm full on, like, hands on 10 and 2. I'm checking all my blind spots. No one honked at me, but... But will I remember how I got um, from A to B? Nope. Nope. Not at all. That's happened the reason... I've been driving to Dallas a lot because I'm in a show. I've been traveling to Granbury a lot because I'm in a show. Because he's in a show too. And honestly, it happens a lot then is I'll just be like driving by DFW and Mm. I'll be like, how did I get here? That happens to me. When did I leave campus? The highway to Granbury is like just like through the country. Mm -hmm. And like, I'll just like zone out so hard. Or the even funnier thing is I will... Because it's usually, like, while the sun's setting that I'm driving, mm-hmm. and it's just, like, all these, like, beautiful, like, fields with, like, cows mm-hmm. and ranches. And I just, like, look over the sun setting, and I'm like, oh, oh, cute. And then I swerve out of my lane, and I have to get back in. <laughs> and then you almost get in a car crash. And I almost kill a cow. So now we can actually talk about the crime. Dun, dun, dun. Dun, dun, dun. On February 16th, 1981... 
Arnie Johnson called in sick to his job to join Debbie, her sister Wanda, and their nine-year-old cousin Mary at the dog kennel. You know what it's giving? Mm. It's giving that scene in Mean Girls. <laughs> I'm sick. I'm sick. <laughs> yeah, honestly. Honestly, though, me getting out of my core classes. Me too. I'm sick. I'm sorry. I can't come to my lecture where you don't take attendance. Oh, I've learned to cheat the system. With iClicker? Do you have any cl- classes with iClicker? No. Let me tell you about iClicker. Tell me about iClicker. First of all, I have to pay 10 bucks, I think, or 15 bucks, 15 bucks, mm-hmm. to get counted present in my class. And guess what? It's not just like a, oh, I'm here. The teacher can put up trivia questions on there, which is what it's meant to do. Mm-hmm. But I have one teacher who just makes it there for attendance. I had to pay 15 bucks just to get kind of present. And it uses your location. So you can't even like check in from like your house or anything. I have to. You have to like be. I have to walk up to like the door of the classroom every day, click I'm here and then leave. <gasps> teacher, if you're listening to this, um... I don't do this. This is no, entirely made up. Teacher, if I you're didn't. listening to this, you're not. I especially didn't do it today. <laughs> um, but yeah. <laughs> I I don't know what you're talking about. It's giving life 360, Loki. No, literally. And sometimes my phone, like, I hook it was like, you're not in class. And I'm like, I literally am like one toe away from like kicking my professor. Like I'm in class, babes. <laughs> Oh, that's one time it didn't count me present while I was while I was actively in the class too and then to walk to the professor afterwards I was like hey it didn't sign me in can you like check me in and he had like an attitude about it like he gave like sass and he's like never do this again and I'm like hello come to class I'm in the class (laughs) I'm obviously here yeah that's so weird. I don't, I don't get it. But I'm happy that none of Anyways, classes. back to club crime. Back to club crime. <laughs> yeah, that was a big tangent. <laughs> so he calls in sick, goes with the girls to the dog kennel. Mm-hmm. Then Alan Bono takes everyone in the group out for lunch at a local bar where he begins to drink heavily. The group all then return to the dog kennel where Bono drinks further. Debbie then took the girls to get pizza, but told them they had to return quickly as she anticipated trouble between Bono and Johnson. I kind of want some pizza. Me too. Topper sticks after this? Topper sticks after this? Let's Mm. do it. Okay. Okay. (laughs) We're getting on too many tangents. (laughs) But yeah. So, obviously they went to get pizza. The only reason they went to get the pizza was because mm-hmm. they were like oh my god this is a really terrifying terrible situation <laughs> so the group um so the girls go to the kennel and when they return bono is now heavily intoxicated he's mm-hmm. getting very agitated and debbie is able to convince everyone in the group except for bono to leave but as they're all leaving bono grabs nine-year-old mary before they could all go Johnson immediately walks back and demands that Bono releases Mary. The The next events that I'm about to tell you were all recounted by Wanda to the police. Mary ran to the car as soon as she was released by Bono, mm-hmm. and Debbie began to try and calm down both of the men, and Wanda was trying to pull Johnson away. 
Johnson then began to growl like an animal, drew a five-inch pocket knife, and repeatedly stabbed Bono, who suffered four to five tremendous wounds, mainly in his chest area. In another trance, Johnson then left the building. The police found Johnson walking two miles from the dog kennel, where he was promptly arrested and held at the Bridgeport Correctional Center on bail of $125,000. And this also became the first unlawful killing ever in Brookfield, Connecticut. He's just setting all the records, isn't he? Setting all the records. Because he's going to set another big record at his trials, too. Mm. But we'll talk about that. Um... But <laughs> apparently, what I read is Johnson was not drinking. Bono was. But part of me also is wondering, did the growl they hear just come from Bono and they just kind of thought in their head that it came from Johnson? I mean, I don't know what a drunk man growls whenever he gets drunk. I've heard drunk people growl before. I mean, but like what type of growl was it? I don't know. Was it like just like a? Ooh. No, it was definitely it was like, like a. Rawr. It was definitely like a frat boy, like. <laughs> what? <laughs> Can you do that impression again? <laughs> what frat boy? Well, it didn't sound like that, that you know. but like <laughs> it was. It was like that. It just. I don't feel like making the actual sound. It was a Fiji, wasn't it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, my goodness. So let's talk about the legal proceedings following the murder. Okay. One day after Bono was killed, Lorraine Warren contacted the police to inform them that Arnie Johnson was not in control of his body when the murder took place, and he was, in fact, possessed. Of course, because she knows everything. Because she knows everything. Little Miss Lorraine. Little Miss Know-It-All. Little Miss, I contact the police whenever I see something paranormal. <laughs> Stop holding up the drawing. <laughs> it, was that supposed to be Lorraine? Yeah. The stick figure with the hair. Yeah, clairvoyant the lady. only one. <laughs> Did you not read what it says? I thought it said clairvoyant. Claire. I just saw Claire and I go, Claire something. Clairvoyant. That'd be a good drag name. Clairvoyant? Yeah. Is it going to be like Sharon Needles, where like it's just like all spooky themed? Probably. Yeah. But is that not a good drag name? Clairvoyant. It's better than my drag name. Please welcome to the stage, Clairvoyant. Clairvoyant. So, the Warrens' claims immediately spark a media frenzy for Johnson's case. Obviously, because mm-hmm. they're like, the media is so skeptical of whatever the Warrens say at this point. The media is um, always skeptical. That's very true. So agents who represented the Warrens. So the Warrens have, like, agents. Oh, are they getting them, like, acting gigs and stuff in Los Angeles? <laughs> well, listen. The agents that represented the Warrens promised the media that lectures, books, and even a movie were in the works for their involvement in the case. I mean, hey. They were right. They were right. There is a movie. There is a movie. And it's also three. like, but that also raises the question of, are the Warrens actual demonologists or are they faking it to make money? You know, if they were faking it to make money, like, 
props to them. Props to them. Like, get that bag. But I don't I don't think that they were just like out there making money. They were I don't know. Lorraine seems like a sweet lady. Seems yeah. truthful. Yeah. Is Lorraine still alive? Or no, she, she's no. passed. They both away. died? They're both dead. Which is unfortunate. I really want to go to their little occult museum. I do too. Do you know what you used to be able to do? What? When Lorraine was alive, you could pay like, I think it was just like $200 for you and nine other people to go have dinner with her. And then she would take you to the museum afterwards and like you could just hang out with her. Like it was a service they offered on the museum website. $200 split nine ways or how many ways? Or I think it's 200? just $200 split. Like oh, period for two hundred dollars for everyone, not two hundred dollars per person. Like see, but I'd be the person to get in that museum and immediately touch everything. Yeah, me too. Or I'd be the one to like, or I would do the opposite and be too scared the whole time and just like sit there with my arms like crossed I around. I think me. I would. I think I would have to. I wouldn't be scared, but I think I would have to cross my arms because I would also want to touch everything. I would like bump into something and then like get possessed and then well that's the thing is they tell i was like doing research about like when you go to the museum like what they tell you and they're like if you touch anything you have to stay in this building until we can get like a priest to come and bless your body hashtag blessed hashtag blessed (sighs) so continuing on arnie johnson was represented by lawyer martin manella and by this time johnson's case was known as the demon murder trial Manella met with other lawyers in England who had similar cases to Johnson's and exorcism specialists from Europe to gather evidence that Johnson was indeed possessed when he killed Bono. Manella even went so far as to threaten to subpoena the priests who oversaw David Glatzel's exorcisms if they did not cooperate with the defense. Hmm. So this dude was like, I'm all in. I'm making sure this man goes out free. Oh, getting that Which bag. I love a ride or die lawyer. I love a good ride or die lawyer. I haven't had many lawyers in my lifetime. Mm-hmm. Although I'll probably need one. Perhaps. Mayhaps. Mayhaps. I used to get told I'd be a good lawyer. But then I... I, I you don't like confrontation, though. I... Okay, I like confrontation whenever it's not about me. <laughs> That sounds, like, really bad. No, I, like, like proving so that someone like else is right, mm-hmm. I'm just, like, yes, here's why they're right, X, Y, Z. Okay, but like whenever yeah, it's, you could be a good lawyer. Whenever it's, like, somebody, like, yelling at me, I'm, like, okay, okay. Yeah. Yeah, you don't, like, personal, like, if you had to represent yourself, you wouldn't be able to do it, but. I mean, as long as there's evidence. Yeah. But you it's would like all memorize your evidence and then just say it like a monologue. Yeah, I'd be like, here is why I am not guilty. Period. Period. End of sentence. End of sentence. <laughs> so Johnson's trial began on October 28th, 1981, mm-hmm. which took place in Connecticut's Superior Court in Danbury, Connecticut. Manella submitted Johnson's plea as not guilty by virtue of possession, which was the first ever case ever in history to use possession or demons as a virtue of being not guilty. And this was immediately rejected by presiding judge Robert Callahan as he considered this defense to be irrelative and unscientific. 
but also like well but here's what's where we're gonna get interesting so okay in an attempt to reverse callahan's opinion manella attempted to argue that if the courts recognize that god is real why can they not recognize that hell and the devil are also real which makes sense because if you're in court like if you're on the witness stand if you're in the jury you have to put your hand on the bible and say you don't have to you don't have to i thought you did no because like freedom of religion like but do you still have to swear to tell the whole truth the truth and nothing but the truth you have to swear that but you don't have to swear it on the bible oh like if you're atheist so, you but don't do have you still to. have to say so help me god I don't. I think you can like supplement it for anything as long as you're just like, yeah, I promise. Oh, dap, dap the lawyer up or something. But that still points to that the courts will recognize God's existence. I mean, they still yeah. give you the Bible. They still say, "So help me, God." I mean, I don't know if it was like the trend at that time to like not swear on the Bible, but like definitely like now, like you don't have to swear on the Bible. Mm-hmm. You can and during swear this on... time. You definitely still swore on the Bible, and it's also yeah. like. It's the courts, which is a part of our legal system, which is part of our government. Yeah, the government like, already recognizes God. The government recognizes God. So yeah. if that if they can recognize God, why can't they recognize hell? In his own testimony, Arnie Johnson was also even quoted as saying, quote, the devil made me do it, which became the famous nickname for the case. So they're doing everything that they can to just say, like, this was not me. I was not in control when I killed this man, so. My favorite thing is he thinks he's special enough for the devil to come after him. Yeah. The devil. Which Who has t- too many things on his agenda to get done in a day. Yeah, the devil's spending too The devil's the booked devil and busy. The devil doesn't have time. That's why he sends <laughs> out the demons. But yeah. That's why he sends, like, Beelzebub. He goes, Beelzebub, I got too much on my calendar today. Come get this you girly. Go. But... Whatever. I think this man was just saying whatever he could to yeah. get himself to be not guilty. Yeah. So, of course, neither of these attempts changed Judge Callahan's mind, and thus it became illegal for the presiding jury to consider demonic possession as a viable explanation for Bono's killing. Um, after the jury deliberated for 15 hours... Arnie Johnson was convicted of first-degree manslaughter on November 24th, 1981. He was then sentenced to 10 to 20 years in prison on December 18th, 1981, though he only served five years because of his good behavior. Good behavior. Good behavior. How does that work? You just do everything you're told when you're in prison. You smile at the guards, say, hey. Yeah. You don't flirt with the guards, but you definitely, I've like... I've been good. You don't start <laughs> fights. You go back to your cell when you should. You mm. don't try to escape. Period. I guess. <laughs> I guess, yeah. I mean, I don't know anything I about wouldn't this. know anything about that, about good behavior. I mean, I would. I went to juvenile hall, dot, dot, dot. I didn't, actually. That's a club crime. <laughs> I did it, but... <laughs> I did my first professional acting job was I was hired to go to a juvenile hall in my hometown and like pretend to get booked as part of a video for like parents to like see what happens to their kids when their kids get arrested. Can I have a copy of this video? Yeah, I have it. Do you want us to watch it? Yeah. Okay. (laughs) I'll send it to you. Period. 
I just know you're going to be laughing at it later. Oh, I will. Put it on your uh, She's TV. booked. She's booked. <laughs> is she busy? Not really. No. But she's booked. Not for a few years. Not for a few years. Until she gets out of juvenile For good behavior. <laughs> <clears throat> so Arnie Johnson was 24 when he was released from prison in 1986. After which he promptly married Debbie Glatzel. Aww. Aww. I just thought that was cute. Was he still possessed? No. Oh. Which I'm like, how did it get out? The demon got bored. They never exercised you, so where did it go? <laughs> well, no, in the movie they did. He had that oh. whole entire moment in the mental hospital where he was like, Rah! Oh, yeah, I guess they did. And then, like, Lorraine was like, ah! But as far as I could tell, like, from what I read, I don't think that actually happened. Yeah, I mean, the magic of cinema. The magic of We love Hollywood. <laughs> So, in 1983, author Gerald Brittle and Lorraine Warren wrote a book together called The Devil in Connecticut regarding the Arnie Johnson case. Lorraine then gave the Glatzel family $2,000 of the profits from the book's publishing. Though in 2007, David Glatzel, who was the 11-year-old that was possessed, and his brother sued both Brittle and Warren for the book after claiming that David had never even been possessed at all. But Mans was over there like, oh, I'm getting choked. Wah, 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 wah. Exactly. Doing the duel of heap. In an interview, David's brother said, quote, My brother was never possessed. He, along with my family, was manipulated and exploited, something that the Warrens were very good at. And along with their author, Gerald Brittle, they concocted a phony story about demons in an attempt to get rich and famous at their own expense. And we have the evidence to prove it. So what their claim was is just that David was mentally ill. He was a mentally ill child mm-hmm. who, needed, who, to growl and hiss who and needed help, who needed mental help. And the Warrens came and exploited that mental, like his him being mentally ill for their own profit and gain. I mean. Yeah, it's it's a pretty slippery slope. Though both Arnie Johnson and Debbie Glatzel, along with Wanda Glatzel, they all state they've all stood by that the demonic they've all stood by the demonic possession story. Mm-hmm. Despite David's claims. Debbie passed away in 2021. Rip Debbie. Which she passed away like just before the movie came out. Is Arnie still alive? He is. Work. But she recounted before her death what had happened the day after Bono's death. She said, quote, the newspaper came and I told them what happened. He was possessed. Other media outlets have covered Arnie Johnson's story, such as the Discovery Channel and their show A Haunting, which has an episode dedicated to the Devil Made Me Do It case. But even is that more guy famously, hot too? I don't know. No, I haven't seen it. Let's see, that doesn't know. I mean, probably not. Probably not. Nobody can they top my get, man. Rory. They couldn't get Rory. They couldn't get Rory. He was he was too busy busy booked. So even more famously, of course, we have The Conjuring: The Devil Made Me Do It which came out in movie theaters on June 4th, 2021. And this movie was basically what relit media and public attention for Arnie Johnson's case. And I liked the movie, honestly. I thought it was good. I mean, 
a little less scary than I would have liked it to be, but yeah, you know. but it's still good. Yeah. Um, my favorite true crime podcast, um, Club Crime, or not Club Crime? <laughs> That's me. <laughs> I'm my own favorite. Um, <laughs> my favorite murder. They did the Devil to Make Me Do It case, and I guess I always have a personal connection in these stories, and this mm-hmm. one really doesn't have a personal connection. So I guess this is my personal connection. They covered it, and I hadn't listened to the episode yet. But my mom texted me and goes, do you know about this case? Like, have you heard about it? Blah, blah, blah. And I didn't know really what she was talking about at first until I listened to it. And I go, oh, that's the Devil Made Me Do It case. That's what the Conjuring movie is based on. And then I was like, and that was like, I think a month before Club Crime ever even started. Mm -hmm. And then I started Club Crime, and I was like, I should do this case. And then you asked me. I want a paranormal ghosty case. And I said, oh, it's time. It's time to pull this out. But you didn't get the true paranormal episode. That's our last final episode. There's a paranormal episode? Yeah, it's our finale. You're unfortunately. <laughs> it's okay. I'll go cry in a corner. It's all good. Okay. Maybe you can get it. Maybe you can be a special little guest. Maybe I'll have you call in. I'll call in. I'll be like, Ooh. Ooh, it's Jackson. But that is the story of the devil made me do it case. Fun. Fun. Do you have anything else you would like to say or add or? Uh, Lorraine Warren, if you're here in this, love you, gal. If you're here in this from wherever you are. If you're in this room, love you, gal. Love you, gal. We Rory love you. O'Connor, if you're here in this. <laughs> There's no Follow chance Follow my Instagram. Connors. Go back to the Hit me up. <laughs> Hit me up. Slide in my DMs. But that's... You too, Patrick Wilson. Yeah, you too, Patrick Wilson. Patrick <laughs> Wilson and Phantom of the Opera. Mm. Mm. Patrick Wilson and anything. And anything. And he's a singer. Mm. <laughs> oh, I love that man. But that's it. That's it for the story today. Woo! Well, thank you so much for joining me today. You are officially part of the club that is Club Crime. Slay, do I get a button? Do I get a little backpack or something? I'll give you a high five. How about that? Okay. Pow! All right. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you for being here. And to all my listeners, please join us next week for another true crime story when we have another special guest joining us. And this has been... Club Crime.